Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Had this been a, a role about a, a cold woman that was born a killer, there's nothing interesting about that to me. Yeah. And it's also... Uh, would not have been something I wanted to play. I'm not interested in glorifying a killer, a, a real true killer. But I did find it interesting that this woman snapped. And that was what I believed about her, that she made a very big mistake, that she deeply regrets, that she lives today with deep regret, that all these men were fighting over Gucci, over power, over wealth, over privilege. And they did not have their eye on the true disaster. And that was her. Hello, and welcome to The Awardist from Entertainment Weekly, taking you inside this year's top contenders for the Oscars and more of the industry's biggest awards. I'm Clarissa Cruz, EW's Executive Editor. I'm joined by my co-host, Josh Rothkopf, EW's Senior Movies Editor. Hi, Josh. Hi, Clarissa. Also joining us today is Joey Nolfi, EW's Resident Awards Expert and Digital Writer. Hi, Joey. Hello to both of you. I am back. I am here for round two, trying to get either Penguin Bloom and or Jennifer Lopez <laughs> retroactive Oscar nominations. So I'm ready. I'm so ready. Wait, wait, wait. Joey, I want to know who your peg- Penguin Bloom of uh, 2022 is. Do you have I one I was going to ask you who, like, I, I, who it should be this year. I don't know because there hasn't been anything that I have enjoyed in such like a giddy, weird way that I did Penguin Bloom. So maybe Naomi Watts's other film this year um that i'm blanking on the name of a uh, lakewood lakewood yes <laughs> lakewood yes yeah lakewood. <laughs> otherwise known there as, are no birds in that though no right? we have naomi watts iphone movie naomi watts bird movie we have naomi watts lemur movie coming up pretty soon she's going to be in a movie about lemurs i mean i'm all about it <laughs> uh, well i had high hopes for the starling but um because uh, like, that was a bird movie but uh yeah i don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> uh yeah but yeah it, yeah we, we won't talk about the starling <laughs> <laughs> well josh get us back on track <laughs> I, I am just catching up to all this <laughs> last week joey spoke with lady gaga about her incredible performance in house of gucci And that's a turn that kind of crystallizes her status as a serious dramatic actress. Just recently, Gaga won the New York Film Critics Circle Award for Best Actress. And she's very much a factor in the race, if not the front runner. That's as good a segue as any in today's topic of conversation, the Best Actress Race. Before we play Joey's full interview with Lady Gaga, we're going to discuss the status of the race right now, the front runners, the potential nominees that are on the bubble, and any other factors that could affect the race as we head into the thick of award season. So, Joey, let's start with you. Who do you think the leading contenders are? Yeah, this is a really interesting race this year. Uh, but so far, I have for my five this, and this is we all know that this could very well change in the days ahead. Um, right now, at number one, I have Kristen Stewart for Spencer. I think she's playing a beloved real life figure. She overcame a lot of intense skepticism to bring a really brilliant performance here that I think is really going to speak to 
like SAG and people who are inside the industry versus maybe casual viewers at home who maybe aren't liking the performance as much. This speaks to like people who know the craft. And then at number two, I have Olivia Coleman for The Lost Daughter. I think the film itself is getting raves. I think it's also going to be a big SAG play, maybe even for ensemble. And Olivia is just like a cross demographic favorite from The Crown to her work in movies. And she also has this HBO series coming up, which is going to really boost her profile and the race ahead. So I think she's a safe bet for now. I actually have Gaga at number three for House of Gucci. I think if any, this is the performance we could see going the route of something like Jennifer Lopez or Jared Leto and the little things and that it's a sort of starry buzzed about performance that I think will capture a lot of early honors as the race is sort of in its young phase, but might end up being a little bit too celebrity focused for the sort of highbrow members of the Academy's acting branch. Um, I, I don't know, it's still sort of figuring out whether Gaga is you know, a respected uh, actress or if she's still susceptible to the kinds of criticism that someone like Jennifer Lopez or Madonna even uh, got throughout their careers when they tried to transition into acting. So number four, I have Frances McDormand for Tragedy of Macbeth. I I think you can't ignore Miss Frances, iconic target, one-time target employee. I mean, you just don't (laughs) ignore her when she (laughs) has a prestige movie in the race. You just don't. And it doesn't get more prestigious than Black and White Shakespeare with Denzel Washington. I mean, you just, you can't ignore that. And then at number five, I have Penelope Cruz for Parallel Mothers. Um, I mean, Almodovar was able to direct Antonio Banderas to a nomination a few years ago. There just seems to be this one space for a foreign language contender to sort of ride critical and festival acclaim outside the normal circuit on route to a nomination. And I'm thinking of people like, you know, Marion Cotillard for Two Days, One Night or Antonio Banderas for Pain and Glory, like I said before. I think that she seems like a safe bet at this point, too. But there's plenty of others to to keep our eyes on. Yeah, those are those are a great five. And I would agree with those. Clarissa, are there any other names that you think might be a factor in the race? Well, I mean, I I was um, uh, pleasantly surprised um, when I heard the reactions to Nicole Kidman and being the Ricardos. Um, I mean, I certainly thought she was uh, great in that. Um, I thought the movie itself uh, was a bit mixed, um, but I, I, you know, I think I think she's someone uh, who's gaining some momentum out of that, out of that, you know, out of the release of that movie. Um, and yeah, I mean, the the other one that I'm that I'm that I'm thinking of is. Um, is Jennifer Hudson. I know it seems like it was two years ago, but um, uh, you know maybe it was by the when, when the last time that we did something did a did a cover on her. But um, I, I I also think that you know that was an amazing performance in a you know kind of mixed movie. Um, and I, I I don't I'm not quite ready to count her out yet, even though it seems like the buzz has faded on that. Yeah. What about you, Josh? All these names are definitely in the race for sure. I, if I were to add a couple, I really do think that Alana Heim, when more people see Licorice Pizza, she might gain momentum. She's, I think she just recently won an award from the Atlanta Critics. I don't think they're much of a factor on the, the race. The prestigious Atlanta Critics. Atlanta <laughs> Critics. But, but I do think that it feels a little like Kate Hudson in Almost Famous, which was obviously an Oscar-nominated performance. She's so charming in the movie and such a, like a force we're introduced to her, um, unless you were a fan of Haim, she really just dominates the film and it could be a factor in the race. I also very much like uh, Jessica Chastain uh, yes. in Eyes of Tammy Faye. That is a real deep dive that she's doing, not just with the makeup and the prosthetics, but 
you know, like we talked about on last week's episode, you know, with the transformation and the voice and the psychology, I, I feel like there's a lot that the acting branch might respond to in that performance if they mm-hmm. return to the film. It's already been out for a while. Yeah, it's really unfortunate that she has become a dark horse, I think, because that performance is, I think, hands down my favorite performance of the year. And Mm -hmm. Eyes of Tammy Faye, I think that it's just brilliant. I I think it's her best work. That's my favorite is my hands down favorite performance of the year. I think that she is wonderful. That final scene with her singing and I just, oh my gosh, I felt so many things in that performance. And I think she really gave her life over to this performance while she was filming this movie. And I think that that's really clear. She meant she damaged her face for it. That is commitment. Yeah, I know. So, that's I permanent mean, damage. It's yeah. permanent damage. And she deserves permanent <laughs> legacy with an Oscar for this. Come on. <laughs> yeah. It's also very different from, say, Zero Dark Thirty or oh, her yes. more naturalistic performances. It shows off her range and it shows her commitment, not only to just getting into character and sort of donning the mask that is Tammy Faye Baker, but also just committing psychologically to a role like that. This is really something that's, I think, will mark her for a while. So Mm -hmm. I do hope she's recognized for it. Yes, she just needs to carry the legacy set forth by Tammy Brown on RuPaul's Drag Race, who played (laughs) uh, Tammy Faye uh, wonderfully and deserved an Oscar in her own right. So congratulations, Jessica, for carrying that legacy. Speaking of those prominent Atlantic critics, uh, I, I, I would like to put it to you guys. How do awards from, let's say, the more preeminent critics groups like New York or Los Angeles, how do they affect the race? I'm thinking specifically of Lady Gaga's win this Friday for New York Film Critics Circle. That's, you know, a big award and definitely boosts her in the race. But Joey, what do you think? I mean, as as happy as I was to see that, I, I think... And, you know, it becomes a headline of the day. I don't think that we can put too much stock in in these winners as contenders beyond being a headline of the day and, and sort of mm-hmm. boosting people into the conversation on that particular day. I don't think anyone is going to necessarily look to New York or L.A. film critics and say that they necessarily had a hand in influencing Oscar, because as we've seen in years past, if they're not sort of already capitalizing or going along with the momentum performances like Tiffany Haddish and Girls Trip or Regina Hall and support the girls, you know, they recognize who they like, whether or not they have real Oscar traction or not. And I don't know that they're trying to influence the race. I love how I'm speaking about this as if Josh is not a part of uh, this group. Uh, Yes. I, I, I think they're truly just celebrating what they like. And I think it's more on Mm -hmm. us to take that as an indicator of these groups taste instead of, having Oscar crossover and we can pull from it. What, what is beneficial? Like it's, it's visibility, but that's, I think all it is. That's very perceptive that read in the sense that if you ask the critics groups themselves, they don't want to be perceived as like affecting the race. They are really going with their gut, I think, and trying to pick their favorites. So you're absolutely right. There should be that separation, I think too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, speaking of precursors, I mean, obviously the globes are in a different place this year. I'm anxiously awaiting or, curiously awaiting um, those nominations on the on the 13th. But to a point that you made earlier, Joey, you were talking about Jennifer Lopez and Madonna and perhaps Lady Gaga this year. Those seem to be the kind of performances that, that would be catnip for the Globes. Yes. Um, but with the, the different positioning of the Globes, I mean, how do you think yeah. that's going to figure this year? 
I mean, maybe this contradicts what I was saying before. I think that Gaga's performance is in a different class, maybe than something that is just going to solely be gunning for Golden Globes attention and sort of that starry, pulpy kind of performance that only the Globes would go for. I do think that this is a respectable performance. But I do think as you know, we can see in the a lot of the anonymous interviews we did and the Golden Globes piece that's in the uh, January issue, there's a lot of people that are saying that the Golden Globe nominations actually, no matter what form they could they they take, are actually going to be tainted this year because it's like then your contenders are going to be forced to address the controversy. Nobody really wants that. It's not something that you can necessarily tout as part of a campaign right now. So I don't know that the Globes are going to be much of a factor. I think that people who are voting in the industry are going to obviously take a look at these nominations. But I think they're going to take them more internally and and use that to say, am I on the right track or am I not on the right track? I don't think it's going to be something that's going to influence the race in the sense that it's going to give a, as big of a vis- visibility booster as it did in the past. Yeah. And that's just the nominations. I can't even, I, I like you reported in the piece, Joey, I can't even imagine if someone wins a Golden Globe, how they're going to handle that because that's oh, just no. like a toxic that's like getting a toxic award for your mantle, you know, like mm, a radio award. Um, do you guys have any personal dark horse candidates, maybe someone who's outside the bubble, who you wish was more in the conversation? Um, Naomi Watts and Penguin Bloom. <laughs> um, no, I, Car- Clarissa, I can't do this Naomi to you. Watson Another. <laughs> Naomi Watts and Penguin. The Starling in the Starling. The, star, um, the Starling and the, the actual Starling. The actual the Starling. Starling. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think outside of Jessica, who, yeah, is on the border of being a dark horse right now, I would say Agatha Roussel, I think is how you say her name for Titan. I, uh, that performance. Oh my gosh. And that's her mm-hmm. first performance, too. Yeah. I mean, just incredible sublime work that really only happens when you aren't as experienced and you just throw yourself into a film, not sort of knowing the trappings of fame or celebrity. And that's just a completely raw, honest performance. And she goes to places that I've never seen actors go before. So I would love in an ideal world to see her get a nomination. Speaking of foreign performances, one that's outside the bubble that I would love to see break in is is Renata Rainsby in a movie called Mm, The Worst Person in the World. That is an incredible rom-com. It's from Norway and it's qualified, so it's in the running. But it, yeah. it's she won Best Actress at Cannes. And again, that's really not much of an indicator. Although I think if enough people see this film, they will understand how just explosive and funny she is in that. And it's really like seeing almost like a reinvention of the rom-com. Um, and, and she's carrying the entire film on her back. And, and it's, yeah. it's almost in every scene. So... That would be my pick. What about you, Chloris? Well, you, you guys and your highfalutin foreign films. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go in the other in the other direction. Um, I would say Amelia Jones in Coda. I really love that movie, and everyone loves it. But I think she was really the center of that, and she sings, and and she's adorable, and so I think emotionally present. Like I just really enjoyed her performance in that a lot, and I felt like it held the, the entire movie together and made it as charming as it was. But you know, I'm I'm not sure how how much um, juice that film is going to have going into the race. There's this been so much since then, but I do still have a soft spot for it. It's so hard to sustain a movies campaign all the way back yeah. from Sundance like that. That's months and months of legwork. 
I have a black heart. That's why I can't appreciate her. <laughs> I know. A cold, dead heart. I have a cold, dead heart. I know that people love it. And that was a very charming performance. I love that film. I think that if you are going to sustain buzz like that, it's going to be a film like Coda that sort of speaks to people's hearts. And I think that's why it is sort of sustaining is because it does hit you right in the heart. But I think of all of the performances in that movie, I was initially, I mean, Troy, I think is the one who I oh, think yeah. stands to break out the most from that. And then Marley. And I was just personally of those performances. I, there was something about Amelia's work that I just was not crazy about. So I was surprised to see her sort of being the one that, that was getting a lot of the attention in recent weeks. I don't think it's a bad performance, but I was surprised but that she was the one who seemed to, to be breaking out in recent weeks. Like she did a couple of the actress roundtables already. She was showing up at the Hollywood critics nomination. And I was like, well, it just, it, it was odd to me. Yeah. I think that you're right too about Troy in the sense that best supporting actor for some reason feels like a little, a softer category. Like there, yeah. this one we're talking about today, best actress, so many contenders that I could see breaking into that bracket. Supporting mm-hmm. actors. Um, I mean, there's, there are Belfast it's wide open. Oh, yeah. Get ready for Jared and House of Gucci. Get ready. <laughs> Get ready. <laughs> yeah. Well, before we run out of time, I want to make sure we devote ample time to Joey's experience interviewing Lady Gaga. Tell us what that was like, Joey. Oh, I mean, yes, experience is the right word. I mean, as Lady Gaga will do in her next life, I, as a combat journalist, went into <laughs> the trenches to bring us all this interview. And listening to it is essentially like live coverage of an exorcism as my dark spirit just (laughs) left my body and I was just operating on autopilot for the whole thing. I mean, I wanted to approach it by asking her nothing that she had already been asked for on this press trail because I was surprised at how many people were just asking her the same things over and over and over again. So I think that plus the fact that I opened with our mutual Italian-American heritage led to a uh, really candid and I think a warm interview where she said some interesting things about passion for the role, reflecting on some of her past roles, like her work in The Sopranos, and how she has really evolved as an actor. She said some really interesting things about that first performance she ever gave that I think will surprise some people. And even little physical changes and things that she did to get into the role of Patrizia that she hasn't really talked about before. That plus the added chaos of hearing me ask about uh, if the butch version of Patrizia at the end of the film was inspired by Joe Calderon. That that was an inspired question, Joe. I was very impressed by that. I was, and she loved it. She, she loved did. it. Yes, she did. Um, yeah, but I, you know, a wig blinded me. I will say that a, a wig blinded my judgment. A short little wig. So, well, you were the perfect person, I think, to do this interview because she clearly was very touched by all of your research and fandom, and you just asked really good questions. I think. Thank I you. think uh, it really showed a great connection between the two of you thank you very much i really appreciate that and when we come back we will get to hear all the chaos and glory of my lady gaga interview When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to The Awardist. Here's Joey's interview with Lady Gaga. 
Hello? Hello, Gaga? Hey, how are you, Joey? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for uh, waiting. I, for some reason, I was like logged in and it wasn't letting me in. That's okay. I would wait a lifetime for you. I once literally slept in a bus station just to go to one of your concerts, so I would wait forever for you. Come <laughs> on, what a guy. What a Well, thank you so much for doing our Awardist podcast today. And I have to say, as a proud Italian-American and someone who goes to the Trattoria every year on his birthday, I have to thank you for representing and doing such wonderful, wonderful work in this film. Truly, it's such a great performance. Thank you so much, Mm -hmm. Joey. I know what you mean by that. Like, I think that there's sort of this unspoken thing between Italian-Americans that we all sort of nod at each other and smile that we, I think we all (laughs) feel connected to the old country. We do. Absolutely. I have been trying to go back. My father has pinpointed the town that we're from. He's planning a vacation. I'm like, I got to do it someday. (laughs) Beautiful. No, hopefully you got a nice Thanksgiving break because I know you've been so busy and I hope you had some time to enjoy Gucci becoming the biggest drama at the box office in two years over the holiday. I mean, that is just incredible news to hear. And you've now proven twice in a row that you are a bankable actor who drives box office. And that that feels so good to say to you. And, And you spoke a lot about how before A Star is Born, you sort of had to fight to be given a shot as an actor. So I'm wondering how did eventually getting that Oscar attention and success, starting with A Star is Born, sort of change your career as an actress? Did you notice like a shift in how people treated you or what kind of parts you were offered after the Oscars? Uh, Well, you know, first of all, thank you so much for uh, all the support of House of Gucci um, and the the love you're showing for the success we've had at the box office. I just have to say I I feel very honored to have worked with Ridley Scott, as well as our producer, his wife, Giannina Scott, and uh, uh, this entire cast was an absolute pleasure to work with uh, such talented actors that I felt privileged every day to work with on set. And I, I put in the work and the time yeah. because everybody else was uh, of a very high caliber and it's what was required. What I would say is that Bradley Cooper really believed in me uh, for the role of Allie Mayne and A Star is Born. And that film, uh, the way that he empowered me to take helm of that character, as well as take helm of the soundtrack um, and work with him so closely on a movie about music and a movie about musicians, uh, it, it really was the the success of our artistic collaboration. I think that landed me where I I am now, which is I'm I'm able to uh, read lots of scripts and talk to lots of different directors, and it's 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 a true honor. And uh, when I met with Ridley and we talked about Patrizia Reggiani or Patrizia Gucci mm-hmm. um, for the first time, I, I asked him, I said, you know, are you sure she ever really loved him? Because I didn't know a lot about her yet. Yeah. And he said, absolutely. And then as soon as he said that, I knew that there was a more interesting story to tell here than just the story of a, a sex scandal, greed, and a murder. Mm-hmm. Well, did you, so, I mean, watching your friendship with Bradley, I mean, I, I love that you're, you, you, you know, have so much admiration for him still. I mean, that connection through that Oscar season was just, it was so beautiful. 
And I'm wondering if because of that mutual trust and respect that you built with him on your first lead film role, did you speak with him or consult his perspective at all before joining Gucci? Absolutely. I, I, you know, I've, I've confided in Bradley for, for years and uh, I've always appreciated his support and his advice, his thoughts on, on uh, my future endeavors. Uh, But also I have to, you know, say, you know, like Bobby Campbell, my manager, Mm -hmm. uh, Brian Lord, my agent, uh, uh, you know, and and the belief of so many people in my life uh, that, that, this came to fruition. And I have to say, mostly it was Ridley and Giannina. Uh, when I, uh, when I read the script, I really fell in love with this idea that people didn't know the real story of, mm-hmm. of, uh, of what happened. And it was because I think the real Patrizia Gucci is trying to drive a narrative that glorifies her as this, this strong, uh, boss lady that that took down the Gucci's and uh that's not what I saw yeah. it's it's not what I read it's not what my detective work and my investigative journalism brought to me what what I discovered was that this woman was was at one point a young girl mm-hmm. a young girl that fell in love and after you know systematically becoming a part of the family and a part of the business she was also systematically disposed of and it rendered her uh, insane uh, now, now i don't know that i, I agree with this ins- i mean I, I certainly don't agree fully with this insanity plea uh but i i do find it interesting the way that women can lose their way when it comes to uh, the trauma of living within patriarchal systems. Mm -hmm. And it was something I wanted to explore. Well, I have noticed that throughout your career, I mean, I've, I've been, you know, a proud little monster since 2008. I have followed your work so closely. And I do notice that there is a recurring theme of women sort of reacting to that patriarchal oppression in, you know, violent ways. I mean, you see the bad romance video, the guy video, paparazzi video, and now Gucci. I mean, why is that something that is so, um, you know, is that coincidence or is that something that you do actively try to comment on, you know, quite poignantly, if I do say so in your work? Uh, You know, it's always been something that I think I've found fascinating. Uh, And it's something I was faced with my whole life as a young woman. And a young woman in what is very much a man's business and the wall of men you have to climb over to get anywhere yeah. was uh, to say it was a catastrophe for me over and over is an understatement. Um, so I guess what I'm trying to say is had this been a, a role about a, a cold woman that was born a killer, there's nothing interesting about that to me. Yeah. And it's also uh, would not have been something I wanted to play. I'm not interested in glorifying a killer, a, a real true killer. Um, but I did find it interesting that, that this woman snapped. And that was what I believed about her, that she made a very big mistake, that she deeply regrets, that she lives today with deep regret, that uh, all these men were fighting over Gucci, over power, over wealth, over privilege. And they did not have their eye on the true disaster. And that was her. Mm-hmm. Well, I am, you know, the darkness that, that is sort of at the root of her, though, that, that you do explore 
it, 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 I, I am very struck by how deeply you spoke about it impacting you and how much it sort of did um, push you deeper into the character. And I thought it was beautiful that you explored her and sort of got to know her through art. Like, I believe I, I read that you wrote a journal as her and that you took photographs of things that you thought that she would find beautiful. And I'm curious if, given the obvious connection, you tried to explore her through like songwriting as well. Like, did you write any music in character as Patrizia, whether intending to like release it or not? No, I did not write any music as Patrizia, but I did take up photography and I did write a quite extensive biography or, mm -hmm. or I should say autobiography of her because I wrote it as her. Um, as a way to build a backstory for her, I worked with an amazing acting teacher, Susan Batson, on this. And then for my accent, I worked with Beatrice Pelicia and Tim Monick. And Bea was with me every day on set. Uh, and I, I was in that accent for about nine and a half months. Yeah. I did live as her. And I, I remember this whole story as if I, I lived it. And... I can still in my heart feel the the stress, the pain, the trauma and the horror and the absolute terror of being a woman that's lost her looks, who's aged, who's been disposed of by every member of the family, shamed by the family, left by her husband for a younger, more beautiful woman who uh uh, this and her husband no longer wishes to be with her and her her daughter to have experienced that even as an immersive artistic experience left an indelible branding on, on my soul mm -hmm. and I I I really um I really know in my heart that it might be very difficult for people to understand why there's this uh for some audience members, empathy that you feel for her. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I think because I had to love her to play her, I found the human mm -hmm. because I didn't want to play a caricature. I didn't want to play Patrizia Gucci's idea of what she is. Yeah. Meaning if she, could, if she could create a movie about herself, what would it be? I wanted to play the real thing. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I approached it from 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 the, the the looking at the qualities of the human what were her good qualities i think she was strong what were her bad qualities i think she had no self-control right and actually i shouldn't say that i do think she had some self-control i think she had an, an ability to be to be stealthy and the way that she dealt with all these men. But I think ultimately as she's like tried to uh, push the boundaries of, of the family and uh, overstep that eventually, you know, she, she was in uncharted territory that no matter how strong she was, they were almost certainly going to push her down. Mm -hmm. And that, and that is the, the patriarchy. That, that is the element that, that fascinated me, how she kept going. Mm -hmm. And, and, and it, it's ultimately in her refusal to stop going that he ends up dead. And it's, it's like that patriarchal control over her when she feels she is so sort of intoxicated by that power that she does have from with, within that business, that it's like when she feels that control slipping away from her, that sort of brings her into the whole madness of the second half of the film. I want to say this because you said you were talking about how urine is high in America, right? And there's, and I don't know if this resonates with you, but I feel a particular allegiance to my family. Yes. Do you do you feel of that course, way? Of course, yeah. 
Yeah, so I just, I mean to say this as to say, I think Italians are very loyal people. Yes. And I think that loyalty above all things is something that is like quite paramount. And even when we are disloyal, it, it, it is something that is so reprehensible. And you notice this in the film when the family is disloyal to each other, it's out, it's outrageous and it's reprehensible. Yes. And I just want to say that I think that her loss of power or this power she thinks she has, I actually always believe that it was more that she truly believed she was pledging allegiance to the Gucci's mm, her okay. whole life that mm -hmm. she was surviving this system that she was trying to actually make better protect give give the energy of herself as a woman all of her wisdom all of her knowledge all she had to offer mm -hmm. so what i believe she was holding on to was not the money and the power mm -hmm. it was this idea that she was honoring something that was part of who she was yeah. meaning that she was now a gucci mm -hmm. that was her last name I think it's kind of nuanced. Yes, you know? for sure. It's nuanced, and I think it's it's easy to kind of say, "Oh, she wanted money and power, and mm -hmm. and and the end." And and that's just it's not the way I feel. Mm -hmm. No, I mean it's a very complex portrayal, and I know that you know going back to this this sort of part that you lived in for such a long time, and and the pain that you have spoken so much about. I mean, how did you make sure that you, as a person under Patricia? were personally or sort of mentally nourished and getting what you needed emotionally while inhabiting a character that did consume you so much because I did read that you even like disconnected from family in, in some instances in this, right? Yeah, you know, I wouldn't say that I always had what was emotionally nourishing for the the real me. I would say that what I uh, what I had was absolute artistic freedom mm -hmm. and support all around me, and I had a completely immersive artistic experience. And part of that was the starvation of the big cat that was Patricia. And um, mm, yeah. my apologies if I sound angry while I'm speaking. When no. I get passionate, I get very animated. I'm used to it. Um, it's the Italian. I know. <laughs> it's, it's who we are. It's, I get dramatic. But, the, 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 you know, she, she, she was this big cat. Mm -hmm. And this big cat was starving by the end, starving for love, starving for a place in the world, starving to matter. And, you know, I was starving, too. Yeah. So it, it, I think that to say that I was without my emotional needs in a lot of ways is very true. And also I felt um, very supported and and loved by my director Ridley Scott, by Giannina Scott, in in my way, you know, I ha I have a I have a sort of, uh, and I know this about myself, and I'm working on it. I have a sort of masochistic approach mm -hmm. to acting mm -hmm. and to and to and to to art, and uh, it's something that I struggle with and that I work on. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't think it's necessarily the way; it's just my way, mm -hmm. and. Uh, you know? Yeah. No, I, I understand what you mean. And I, I think it's, it is, it, it's fascinating to see. <laughs> it's fascinating to see the, 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 the depths that you went to for this. And I did, I interviewed um, a few months ago, I interviewed Janty Yates and she called Patricia's post-divorce era, 
her butch era, which I thought was kind of fascinating um, because, you know, as a, a fan of yours, I'm always looking for like clues and references to past work. And I, I think a lot of other fans now are also drawing comparisons between Patrizia's vibe in those scenes toward the end of the film with the attitude of Joe Calderon. So is there a little bit of Joe that sort of lives at the end of this performance too? No, I, I think that, I think that uh, Joe, as a reference for fans, is probably most similar because of the hairstyle. Mm-hmm. Because Joe had that short, uh, dark hair. Uh, what what inspired me for those scenes and the creation of you know it was like a science lab. Our trailer with all of the, the mood boards of Patricia, the Uh, photographs of scene after scene for hair and makeup. Uh, What I was focused on was what happens to your body as a woman when you've been abused and when Mm -hmm. you're traumatized. And my experience with that is there's usually a major spike in cortisol in the body, which causes a lot of bloating Mm -hmm. and a lot of inflammation in the body. And uh, the, the eyes almost look like they, they recess a quarter of a millimeter into your head uh, and are almost constantly glassy and uh, filled with fear. So for me, it was much more about, uh, you, know, and the clo- you know, the clothing, you know, she's trying to disguise herself so she, she doesn't dress like herself that whole time. Um, but uh, what I found most important was what what does a woman look like when she's been this traumatized? Mm-hmm. And uh, so that that is what I spent my time on. And um, so, no, not Joe Calderon. Mm-hmm. But yes, we, we both Joe Calderon and Patricia Gucci had short black hair. Yes. Uh, I was fooled uh, by and, a wig. Maybe it seemed uh, uh, more masculine to some people because. Uh, you know, she, in a way, was uh, she did not look like herself. Mm-hmm. And if you look her up and you look at different photographs of her, she always looked different. But man, did she look different later in her life when oh. when, when when things went south yeah. with family and with her husband, her, her entire demeanor, her entire the uh, look, everything changed, and she she disappeared into like a bloated shell of mm-hmm. herself. Yeah, and um, and that that's where I I took her, mm-hmm. where I believed she was. What well, is it? It's it's amazing because hearing you talk about all of this and seeing how far you've come in your career. I mean, it's just such. I, I think back to things like you know, that actress who's in the background of Sopranos. It's like that clip is just, it's so interesting to watch to see where you started to now having won an Oscar and doing these interviews for this film that is getting Oscar buzz again. I am wondering, you know, what do you remember about filming that day and booking that Sopranos gig? And what do you see in that girl when you look back at that scene and see you at the start of your career compared to where you are now? You know, when I look back on that scene, I can see exactly what I did wrong in that scene, which I I just I didn't know how to how to listen, you know, uh, in a scene. And, you know, in the scene, I was supposed to laugh and it was sort of like cue laugh. And Mm -hmm. I see it and I go, oh, that's not a real laugh when I watch that. And now I think I've grown, I've grown a lot as an actor. And I, I, I did, I, I studied a lot since I'd had that role. It wasn't really a role in The Sopranos. It was an extra in one scene. Um, but, you know, I think like, 
the nuance and the being specific as an actor and is something that can grow over time if you're willing to listen Mm -hmm. and really hear the the other actor that you're working with and and allow yourself to be surprised by your vulnerability by your feelings and and to truly be open you know just to even put some significance on what we were just talking about in terms of the way she looks later in the, in the film, as Jaunty was saying, you know, her hair, even being the way that it was, I thought, well, she certainly wouldn't have had the time to do her hair and, uh, uh, you know, her, her lip liner, her makeup, you know, everything's just a little, it's a little off because she was on her last leg as a person. And, it's all deliberate. So what do I see when I see myself years ago? I see a very non-specific actor. And then now I see, I see myself that as someone that is at least, uh, you know, really striving to be specific without thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And that just, that requires a lot of of work ahead of time. And I really thank my acting teacher, Susan Batson. She, and I worked for months and months on this before we filmed. And uh, also Ridley Scott, you know, just an incredible director who creates a sanctuary for you on set to just fly. And, uh, you know, the wise words of Al Pacino, the the loving nature of Jared Leto, the absolute Mm. total Mm. commitment of Adam Driver, uh, the, the elegance and the, 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 the eloquence of Jeremy Irons, the 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 total absolute uh, openness of Jack Houston, Salma Hayek mm. being one of the most loving people I've ever met on the planet. I I, I couldn't have asked for a better experience. Mm. Well, it's so lovely to see you so committed to this craft and and all that you've been able to do as an actress. It's really been something to watch. Um, and I think that's a good note to end on for the film. Although I am also committed to my craft. I've been a little monster since 2008. I wouldn't be doing my job if in the Gaga daily forums are going to roast me. If I don't ask about music, I mean, status of LG seven, is it in the works? Uh, well, you know, there's always music in my heart and the works. And it's just about what will it be? <laughs> and, uh, and it just comes out in different forms. I think this performance was musical in a way, as, as Paolo says, it's musical. <laughs> Browns and pastels, it's music. It's, it's, I know. <laughs> it's music that soars like a pigeon. Yeah, soars like a pigeon. <laughs> um, or a thousand doves, we'll say that. Oh, thank you. What a sad song, my God. I love that song. It's brilliant. Chromatica is just such an amazing album. I, I can't commend you enough for that as well. I know that was also painful for you, but I mean, it's just a brilliant body of work. So thank you for giving that to us. Thank you for giving this film to us. And um, best of luck to you at the Oscars. I mean, I, I don't know if that's that's sacrilegious to say good luck at the Oscars, but I mean, we're pulling for you for sure. That's very kind. That's, what an honor for you to even say that. Blessings to you and blessings to your family and thank you for a wonderful interview and have a great day thank you so much gaga same to you and i mean a special thank you goes out to lady gaga for joining us today (laughs) on the awardus podcast (laughs) well that's all from us today thanks for joining us on this episode of the awardus if you like what you heard subscribe 
rate the podcast, and leave us an award-winning review on Apple Podcasts. To keep the conversation with us going, follow Entertainment Weekly on all socials at EW on Twitter and Entertainment Weekly everywhere else. You can also tag us at ClarissaNYC1 and Josh Rothkopf. We'll see you next week. This episode of the Awardist Podcast is hosted by Clarissa Cruz and Josh Rothkopf. Produced by Chanel Johnson and Sammy Junio. Executive produced by Shana Crockmall. Edited and mixed by Sammy Junio and Lauren Klein. Full episode transcripts are available at EW.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.